Hey guys, this is Jason V, editor of Local Color. I have a new podcast out. It's called Absent Sire. It's a pretty heavy one. It talks about the relationship I haven't had with my estranged father. You can check it out, absentsirepodcast.tk. Also find it on SoundCloud, Absent Sire Podcast. Let's get started. My life has always been tough. It's always something that I had to get over, but I kind of seen that as life. But when I look back at it now, I can see how like complex and complicated it was. Hey everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. My guest today is Darren Rogers, founder and program director of I Am Mentality, a youth empowerment program based in Baltimore. Darren's transient childhood led to problems at home and at school, and he had a complicated relationship with his father and religion. The youngest of an already young family, Darren always had to be smarter and faster than his peers or get swallowed up by the streets that took so many of his family and friends. Stay tuned. I met Darren Rogers at I Am Mentality's Mount Vernon office on a rainy Sunday afternoon. He's a quiet man, though intentional in his words and actions. As we sat down and I began recording, we got right into it. We started like every interview starts, with childhood. Growing up for me, was it was, it was pretty tough. My mom had me when she was 14 years old, and my dad was 16. So it was pretty much a challenging situation. My grandmother had three kids by the time she was 19. I grew up in an impoverished environment. Growing up was pretty challenging. Maybe no different from any other um, kid that's coming from the urban community, but it was it was tough. You grew up in Baltimore. Yeah, I grew up in Baltimore City. I've been um, I'm Baltimore born and raised. When you were growing up in that environment, what was school like for you? Was it a, an escape from everything that was going on at home? Did you even like school? School was kind of like the same. The environment in school kind of replicated each other. I didn't necessarily. I wasn't necessarily into school. I can't remember exactly how I did in school at at a young age but I do know that I got like most improved in the first grade so I guess that means that I was bad you know so just <laughs> just based off of that I guess I mean that I probably was bad in the kindergarten or in some kind of way I had to improve to some degree and um, I must have must have not been doing well. School wasn't a priority in Darren's family so it wasn't a priority for him. My family wasn't heavy on education. There was no huge value for education, so I didn't go to school with the mentality that I'm offering my my daughter and you know my kids and the kids that I work with. I was it was just pretty much like you going to school. For Darren, the priority was survival. Well, how are we going to live from day to day? You know, how are we going to stretch out food stamps? You know, what are we going to do to you know make different relationships work, you know, how are things going to go. It was more or less that, like, I think that's kind of like where we were rather than thinking about, you know, we need to spend an hour reading a day or, you know, that wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't even a thought. Do you feel like you had to grow up fast? I felt like I had to grow up extremely fast because at this point, my grandfather, my grandfather and my grandmother were married and after being married for a little while, my grand my grandfather left due to him developing a drug drug addiction and maybe relational issues. I've never really gotten a full on story, but previous to you know maybe five years before I was born, my family lived in Baltimore County, 
we moved back into the city due to, you know, the broken relationship between my grandfather and my grandmother. And at that point, my dad, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in my younger life with my dad because of, you know, his addiction. So I'm an 80s baby, so we, you know, we're prime kind of like candidates of everything that happened towards the 80s. So I felt like I had to grow up extremely fast. I felt like I seen, you know, a whole lot. It was a lot of things going on in my neighborhood. Some, some would say that like the infantile stages are cracked. So you've seen a lot of that going on. Looking back, Darren also believes he was blessed with street smarts because where he's from, slow learners die quickly. In talking with Darren, I noticed he talked about his father only sparingly, and the times he did mention him weren't in the most positive light. Darren's relationship with his father now is much better, but back then it was almost non-existent. When I was younger, I couldn't really honestly say that we spent a whole lot of time together. If I had to estimate, um, I don't know, maybe a few times, you know, maybe a few times. I can't say that my dad came to my school and picked me up from school. You know, none of that was happening. Growing up in my neighborhood, it was more or less strange if you had a dad. Like, if you had a father in your life, it was kind of like, that's different. You were kind of like cream of the crop, and I'm sure we were jealous. It's a shame that having a present father is an anomaly in the black community. To quote rapper Talib Kweli, it's a situation of abnormal normality. When you grow up being so used to going without and learning how to stretch food stamps, you're normalized to absence. Darren echoed this sentiment as we continued talking about his upbringing. I didn't really know I was poor nor did I know the value of having a father in your life. I think those things started to affect me as I got a little older. But as far as my relationship with my dad at a young age, it wasn't, it didn't start to, to develop till I was about 10 years old when my dad recovered from his drug addiction. Then I got introduced to my other side of my family. That's when my family life kind of started to flourish because I had both sides at this point and I started building that relationship with my dad. By the time Darren got to high school, he'd moved from East Baltimore to West Baltimore to Baltimore County and his father was still on the outskirts of Darren's life. A lot of city folks might think life's sweet out the county. Not for Darren, though. It was, you know, it was a fight because guys knew I wasn't from the neighborhood. I actually remember having to bring, you know, my friends from my old neighborhood up to my new neighborhood to balance things out a little bit. So, <laughs> so things like that, those were moments when, that I felt like, you know, I, I probably would have wanted my dad, but I think that that was so far removed from anything then you know that out that wouldn't make a difference but as it relates to high school we were kind of vibing and you know vibing in high school i felt like our relationship was was real good but i never in my whole life knew what it took to like actually be a man what the presence of a man looks like what quality relationships are so due to the fact that I, I didn't have a father at first now I have one I'm in love with my other side of the family so I developed so many relationships over there just him you know being around when he could he would come to my school look out for me give me money help me out you know with prom and things like that so I, I definitely 100% appreciated that Things were going well with Darren and his dad, though they'd have to get worse before they got better. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Darren finishes high school and begins the road to finding himself. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Hey, this is Local Color. I'm Jason V. Before the break, my guest Darren Rogers spoke of his almost non-existent relationship with his father. It got a little better in high school, and Darren appreciated the love of his father in learning more about his dad's side of the family. 
Even though things were going well in that part of his life, graduating from high school was a challenge for Darren. When I got out of high school, man, I was so flustered and so depleted because just like I said, I don't ever remember actual supports being put into play. So I had no confidence. I think when I left high school, that was probably one of my lowest moments because I played basketball for an extended part of my life. But I realized that at this point, I wasn't going anywhere with basketball. So and I put I invested a lot of time into that. So it was kind of like a huge drop. Didn't fin didn't get an opportunity to, to finish off by walking across the stage. I had to take one class in the summer. So I think I was embarrassed by that. But going to college, no, I wasn't going to nobody's college. I was going to try to figure out how I was going to make some money because my family was still struggling. We were still poor. Again, survival was the priority. College wasn't putting food in Darren's mouth nor helping pull his family out of their impoverished situation. Darren didn't have time for returns on long-term investments. With that in mind, Darren hit the ground running and got to work. After I left high school, I think my first job out of high school was at maybe JCPenney. So I just started working. You know, I've always been a hard worker. I never really had any problems with working. Darren said he'd actually been working since about 15, but with school out of the way, the stakes were higher. Darren continues. Worked there for about two and a half years. And at that point, I was, I think I was trying to find myself to a degree. So I was just hanging out, having fun. I, I purchased my first car when I was 18. So just just doing doing what, what I thought that young people do, which is almost nothing. You know, nothing extremely valuable. By the time Darren was 21, he realized he had aspirations bigger than punching a clock and having a nine to five. He decided to strike out on his own and start his own business. I actually started thinking about, you know, entrepreneurship. So my first entrepreneurship effort was my, my clothing line, and it was called Mechanics Clothing. I worked on that for about a year. Work started working about two jobs, two to three jobs, I believe, to build up the money for that. And as I began to build up the money for that, that was kind of like my next dream. I had plans on working, but I've never... Even to today, I have no no desire to like work 30 years for anybody. So I have no ambition. I always, you know, I've always had the entrepreneurial mindset. The problem was I, I didn't have the educational background or, you know, the skills to to make that happen. As any entrepreneur can tell you, being your own boss and running a business isn't easy. You actually end up working more than the 40 hours you did when you had a regular nine to five. Darren learned that lesson quickly and also learned it's difficult succeeding when you don't know that you don't know something. It was so much that I didn't know. My creativity was good, but I've never read a book on marketing. Before then, I've never did any reading. So, you know, I was just living solely on my hustle. So I was just living solely on my hustle. I, I would work 20 hours in a day if I had to. I would do anything that it took to make money. But what I was doing was I was neglecting the educational piece, which is even more important than the hustle. So I decided to get my CDL to kind of create some type of balance in my life. I was still planning on selling my clothes, but just making that a part-time job, making my CDL job more of my full-time. And as I did that, I have no ambition on staying there either. I was planning on buying a truck and having somebody else drive it for me so that I could really do the things that I wanted to do. Darren needed the balance of a paying job to help him finance his business pursuits, and he felt he needed something to jumpstart his life. The money from mechanics' clothing was inconsistent. By 22, Darren started the process to acquire his CDL license with his cousin. 
and our goal was to actually obtain two um, dump truck or tractor trailers. I made money, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't always about the money, but it was actually about you know the time that I was invested, and I started to get closer towards my gifts. And in the process of getting closer towards my gifts, I realized that. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life driving a truck. Do you think that ambition to be a boss or be in charge was influenced by the surroundings that you grew up in? Did did you see people in your neighborhoods like, oh, the ones who are really out here getting it or doing their thing are the ones who run stuff? Absolutely. I think um, I had a lot of great experiences with um, successful people from my community. Not not that they always did the right things, but I just kind of always seen myself at the next level. I just think, I really think it's something that God blessed me with. I think God just makes, you know, certain deposits in you to make you look at things a certain way. So I always, no matter what the situation was, no matter how dark it was when I was young, you know, when I was a teenager, I always seen myself like at that next level. Even from a young age, Darren was always overwhelmingly optimistic. His outlook on life allowed him to progress just a little bit faster than his peers, as Darren explains. In my group of friends, I would be the one with the car. I would be the one that, that could save money. Even though you were the younger one. Even even though I was a young one, I would always be I would always be that guy who could obtain different things fast. I wasn't the most talented. You know, I wasn't the most talented, but I was one of the, the, the people who always had a, a, a serious focus. So my focus would get me into situations that would um, open up opportunities for me. When we've been talking, you've mentioned a few times now your relationship with God, and you also mentioned how it was something that had to be built up, and it was a choice, like a specific choice that your mom made. Um, can you talk to me more about developing that relationship? Was religion something that you grew up with or around, or was it just something that was there that you didn't really participate in? My mother started developing a deep relationship with God. Actually, my aunt was the first person that was saved, so she had the relationship with God, and she kind of like prayed my mother in. So my mother lived a, a nice little reckless lifestyle, so we, uh, so it was just like going from being a person that could kind of like do anything, and that's who I was. I was the young, I was the young guy, the young kid who said anything, did anything, was fast, you know, was able to see the drug trade, see you know people smoking weed, drinking, you know, on a consistent basis. So I was extremely quick when it when it relates to that. Then my mother started developing that relationship with God, and of course I jumped right in. I didn't have a problem with developing a relationship with God. I loved the Lord. Um, I learned about it. I probably I was one of the kids that went to church and got saved several times. I wanted to be. I wanted to know more scriptures than everybody. I wanted to be better because always I'm I'm real competitive too. Now it's more or less <laughs> at a place of understanding of who I am now. I want to be better than I was yesterday. But when I was young, I wanted to be better than everybody. I always wanted to be better. So. I worked to develop that relationship, but the problem was with me and my relationship with God. My mom had this strong relationship with God. I never doubted God from, from, from day one, but my problem was my environment versus that relationship with God is not matching up. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, I continue my conversation with Darren Rogers. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Welcome back to Local Color. I'm Jason V. If you're just joining us, my guest Darren Rogers was getting closer to God, though he felt something was off. 
The grandeur and wholesomeness of God's light hadn't pierced the billowing clouds over Darren's home life and delivered him from worldly evils. Pray as he might, Darren saw that he wasn't getting out what he was putting in at the church. The struggles that I have to deal with in school every day versus just loving the Lord is not necessarily matching up. You know, my homeboys dying on a day-to-day basis and, you know, dope being sold in my communities and consistently having to worry about, you know, what fight you're going to get in or rival neighborhoods and how you're going to feed yourself. Things like that, it didn't necessarily match up. I, I think at some point I felt like, why ain't God, you know, showing up in these areas? You know, why ain't God showing up in the finances? Why he ain't showing up when, you know, when we need him to move us to another level. I think that when when I was when I was 15 and I was six foot two at this point, my mom couldn't necessarily make me go to church no more, so she kind of gave me that decision, and I was like, look, I'm done. As quick as Darren gave his life to a higher power, he had turned his back on it. Why should he continue to serve something or someone that's not looking out for him? I grew up um, around my friends. I was trained to love my friends. You know, like I loved my homeboys. When I was young, I would have probably gave my life for one of my friends. And, you know, I spent a lot of time with my older cousin. So I was always about family and always about building up my friends and, and growing and developing myself. You know, I probably wasn't calling it growing and developing myself at that point. I was always about family. And it just, it wasn't necessarily for me it wasn't producing the results that I wanted. I always wanted to win. And I felt like winning from a spiritual standpoint is different from winning from, you know, the urban standpoint. And I come from those dark places in the hood, so it's like I wanted my payment for growing up like this, the compensation for not having a father in my life. I wanted compensation for growing up extremely poor. I wanted compensation for having Oodles and News become a lifestyle. I wanted to be paid for those struggles and rap music and things like that, which kind of promoted, you you had to win after going through what you went through. At 35 now, how did you find your way back to God? Now that I look at it, it was spiraling from the beginning. One of my closest friends got murdered when I was 19. No, no, I was 17. I was actually in the 12th grade. That was one of the, the turning points for me. When I, when I witnessed that, I was like, wow. It started to spiral from that standpoint. Then uh, by the time I was 22, maybe three or four of my homeboys that I spent a lot of time with was murdered. And when I was 21, I got in trouble. Like, you know, I felt like I made the, the best, worst mistake I've ever made in my life, so I got in trouble with the law. And I realized at that point, everything that I was taught to that point was kind of like a lie. 85% of the stuff that I learned growing up in the hood, it didn't really hold no value anymore. When you put yourself in certain situations, not even your family can help you. They can't get you out. When um, usually you may not be the toughest, but you're the smartest, and you try to use your smarts to get out, your smarts can't get you out. You know, so I just realized that everything that got me the way I was would not get me to the next level. And when you when you kind of down, you start to see people's true value for you. That's when I didn't start out when I was 21. You know, I tried to tough it out a little bit, but I realized at like 23, like, all right, you, you got to figure out something that's going to speak to where you want to go. You got to speak to, you got to figure out something that's going to speak to where you want to go, that's going to speak to that place, that thing inside of you that's calling you to be great. And you got to figure a way to remove yourself from certain environments that ain't necessarily benefiting you anymore.
Darren gave his life over to God again, and this time, he didn't expect deliverance from the trauma and violence that, in a tragic way, molded him into the resilient and resourceful man he is today. For a few years, Darren spent time working in the school system and was a foster parent. He achieved an impressive milestone with a foster child that stayed with him for about two years. We were able to reunify him. That's big if you can get a kid to go back to their family. Like, like that's huge. Darren was proud of his achievement, but he had kids of his own. His oldest daughter was three when he reunified his foster child with their parents. I realized that I didn't necessarily want to bring it home with me. I didn't necessarily want to bring my work home with me on a day-to-day basis. He continued working, volunteering, and even worked as a counselor providing help to children with behavioral issues. Darren got a lot of experience and... What I realized is that a lot of attention given to kids who have a lot of behaviors. But a lot of times, um, often the kids don't never really recover from the behaviors because there's nothing put in place to transition that negativity into positivity. So I realized that youth have almost little to no chance of becoming great who come from my environment. So those conversations, just like I said, those leadership conversations were never given to me. Um, All of those speeches about how great you can be was never offered. Those things didn't happen. We're actually losing this battle with our kids. So I said, "What, what can I do and what can I create that gives children a better potential to maximize maximize their potential. Darren wanted to provide that environment and those resources and mentioned a disturbing statistic that amplified the importance of his mission. Girls get murdered every, like, once a week now. You know, that was, like, something that never happened. And for the most part, that means that it's probably men killing women. When you face with things like that and you're dealing with people dealing with, you know, huge levels of depression, what is it going to bring them out of that situation and put him into another situation. And I think that the true nature of a man is is to lead. That's not talked about enough. The only conversation about leadership that most kids in the urban community have is don't be a follower, be a leader. But the conversation about learning to follow somebody who is a leader is not being had. Everybody has to be a follower. You can't just pop up and lead. Without seeing somebody walk, you don't just jump out the bed and start walking. And every single thing you do, you have to follow before you lead. So what I wanted to do is I just wanted to position kids and put them in a situation where they, they would have a chance. You can't make somebody great. That's a choice that you have to make on your own. My problem was it's, it wasn't even an environment to assist them with being great. So nobody's talking to them about it. You know, they, they're going through pain. And kids are a lot different now. I wasn't privy to my emotions and my feelings. My mother didn't tell me, well, tell me how you feel about it, son. Um, Use feeling words. You know, she didn't tell me all of that. It was kind of like, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to get done. Your feelings will probably fit in somewhere at the end if they fit in. But kids are privy to their feelings now. So they, they facing a lot more than what we was facing back in the day. And what I wanted to do is I just wanted to provide that opportunity, man, just to give them some hope. Darren took everything he experienced and learned in life, looked around at the youth and saw his younger self. He saw friends who didn't make it to 18 or 21. He saw a generation of children without a way forward. Darren saw all of this and decided to do something about it. In his words, I just want to replicate what I feel like God did for me. So I feel like God decided that um, this young man who was nobody, who was seen as a nobody, who was seen as normal. He connected with me, 
started to show me who I was, helped me illuminate, you know, illuminate a path for myself and put me into, you know, a space where I will be having this conversation with you today, the, reading the books that I'm reading, just things like that, just giving the energy that I needed to win. And I just wanted to kind of uh, replicate that with the boys that I work with. So what are some of the uh, programs that IM Mentality offers to the youth that are part of it? We have a counseling-based program that works with youth who have behavioral issues, any social-emotional issues like mental illnesses, ADHD, um, things like that. And what we do is we connect those youth to licensed clinicians so that they can uh, be provided services that will support them from a mental standpoint. And we provide like the groups and the individual training to help kids overcome anger issues, teach them how to resolve conflicts, teach them leadership skills, coping skills, things like that, introduce them to different things that would pique their interest so that the negativity that they display on a day-to-day -day basis, which is um, nothing but what they see on a consistent basis or which is connected to their feelings. We just try to try to target that and transition it to another um, to something positive. And we also have a leadership academy where we teach leadership skills, conflict resolution, anger management, financial literacy, professionalism, health and wellness, a little bit of beginners public speaking, and we just touch on topics that are like hot topics. At the time of the interview, it was Teen Dating and Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and Darren developed lesson plans around that topic. Darren wants to educate his mentees on all fronts. We have a media, a, a guy that's going to start teaching media literacy. We'll start having our boys kind of look at how blacks are portrayed in the media and things like that, and how we can kind of shape our personal appearance. Like, how do you really look to yourself? Like, how is your appearance shaped and based around how you think about yourself and things like that? Leadership skills and media literacy may not be the most interesting topics to young kids and preteens, and Darren tries his best to make learning fun. Darren wants to give the kids of today what he didn't have growing up. Frederick Douglass said it's easier to build strong children than repair broken men. And that's what Darren wants, strong children. Darren thinks many black men are failing their families and their communities. I believe that just as a black community, as black men as a whole, I don't really feel like we're doing our job. That job is to be the structure, to be the catalyst in a young boy's life to cause that transformation into a leader and a man of action. Despite Darren's father not being as involved in his life as he could have, and Darren might say as he should have, his father was the catalyst for change. Just not in the way you'd think. When Darren had his first kid at 26, he was struggling. For so long, he didn't have a template for what a good father looked like. It got him thinking about his relationship with his father, and so he reached out. I just wanted to know, in different situations in my life, as I looked over my life, why didn't you step up? And we had a conversation and he pretty much told me like, he pretty much told me that he's, he was like interested in himself. If I got to pick and choose, you know, me having or you having, his expectation was for me to figure it out on my own. And I think he developed that mentality from him having to do it on his own, you know, based on his lack of relationship, you know, with his dad. So I, I at that point, I think I was probably I was kind of crushed, but at the same time, I was, I was kind of crushed, but at the same time, I was, I just wanted some understanding because at that point I could take care of myself. So it wasn't like I was coming to him trying to recap my life or whatever. Like I was doing pretty good. I had, a, you know, I had a decent job. I was making money, 
you know, like I was doing okay. I had a nice, a nice woman. So it wasn't, I was a homeowner. So it wasn't like I was coming to him like, you know, I just need your help or whatever. What I wanted to figure out was what happened. Everything that I'm doing for my kid and I'm trying to figure out, you know, where was that for me? It was a hard truth for Darren to hear, and he knew he had to hear it to work through his pain and his trauma. Part of working through that trauma was forgiving his father. Forgiveness is a strange thing. It's giving yourself permission to heal, but you never really get the closure you want in the way you want it. We all think about having some grand blowout argument and telling that person that hurt us exactly how we feel in those exact words that we've always been thinking about. Darren felt similarly when it came to letting all the pain he felt towards his father go. Was it difficult for you to feel like you let your dad off the hook and then never really pull him up again? Or was it something that you realized like, yeah, I feel bad for leaving him off the hook or I felt like I could have came at him a little stronger, but I now realize that that's not going to solve anything. I felt like it was a conversation that he should have had with me versus me having it with him. So I was disappointed for that. So I'm never punitive. I don't believe in penalizing my parents. So I can't penalize my dad. You know, he's my father. If it wasn't for him, no matter what the situation is, I can't penalize my mother. What I can do is, is gain insight because at that point, I didn't want, I didn't necessarily, I don't think I wanted like anything. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't feel like we should have gotten a fight or, you know, because that that, that's not how we operate. You know, that's not necessarily how we operate. But what I felt like was that we should have talked about this already and then I could have been past it and we could have figured out how we going to move forward. And I think I was a little concerned that if it if it went left, we would be, you know, kind of like back where we started. All Darren wanted was to be a better man. That's what he wants for the kids enrolled in I Am Mentality as well. If you want to learn more about Darren and I Am Mentality, you can go to our website. Our website is IamMentality.org. You can um, you can go on our website. You can enroll to volunteer. You can reach out to us at 410-702-8256. And, you know, we're on social media on Instagram at I Am Mentality, on, face, on Facebook at I Am Mentality Youth Male Empowerment Project. We just developed a YouTube page, so we're um, offering a little bit of virtual mentoring and some education, offering some educational videos. You can look us up on YouTube at I Am Mentality Youth Male Empowerment Project and by email at info at I Am Mentality. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't already gone over? My whole goal in life is to help people become better. You know, I just want people to understand my aim. My aim is always God first, developing that relationship with God, which I believe helps you see, you know, helps you see life and what it is and making everything around you better. Just accessing, just accessing who you really are, making everything around you better. Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color. 